Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. talked about when family hurts us, when generations hurt us, and we also talked about cultural hurt. Cultural hurt. I want to emphatically state that if you've been put down or made to feel second because of who you are, then that's not of God. I want you to hear me say that. That's not of God. I don't see. Listen, God does not care for one color more than the other. He loves everybody. Amen. Everyone in this room is equal to the other. Amen. I want to make sure we understand that. So tonight, we're going to do something kind of unusual for our prayer service, and I'm going to be interested to see who comes. We're going to be doing a foot washing. But in that foot washing, we're going to pray forgiveness between the cultures. We're going to pray forgiveness between the cultures. Hey, somebody's got to do it, amen? Somebody's got to step up and say, we're going to offer forgiveness, amen? And so what we're going to do, I'm, I'm not going to give all the details, but a foot washing is a time of humility and humbleness. But I, I'm, I'm tired of there being animosity between people just because they look different. We don't need that. Amen? It, and it, we don't need that. And, and if it means that I need to apologize, then, then I will. Because, and I've done that Wednesday night. I actually did that. But I want there to be unity in this church. In this church, I don't care where you come from. All I care is is where you're going. Amen? I want you to hear me. So tonight's going to be a special service. We're going to be doing foot washing some people are uncomfortable with foot washing because they're uncomfortable with their feet. And I'm going to tell you that washing feet is a humbling event. You're going to have to be willing to humble yourself. Amen? But maybe that's the problem in churches today is that we have a lot of pride and we don't want to be exposed. Did I lose power or something? Because I it went silent. <laughs> We have to be willing to expose our sin to each other. Amen? Listen, I don't, I don't care if you have crusty toes or yellow toes or you're missing toes or you're lactose tolerant. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. The purpose of it is, is that we humble ourselves and we honor each other. There are some of you I'm going to be washing your feet because I want you to understand that I'm going to be submitting myself to you. Because I want you to understand that I love you. And then some of you are going to be washing my feet. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to run playing the dirt and mud before I come. No, I'm not going to do that. But we're all going to have a powerful service tonight because I believe to get to revival then we have to do the things that the Scripture says. 
One of those is forgiveness. Amen? It's hard to forgive somebody who has hurt you, though, isn't it? It's, it's hard to forgive a people that have hurt you, isn't it? Because if one person hurts you that looks like somebody else, then all of a sudden everybody that looks like, like that is wrong. And I want to tell you that that needs to stop in the church. The church needs to be a place of racial healing. The church needs to be a place of spiritual healing. This church needs to be a place of healing, physical healing. Amen? I don't care if you're Clinkett, Haitian, South African, Irish, French. I don't know if anybody likes the French anymore. That was a joke. <laughs> Thank you, whoever that was. But we love everybody, amen? We are a church. Now, listen, that is not me saying that you should not be proud of your culture. By all means, you should be proud of your culture. You should be proud of you. Should, you should rejoice in your culture. I encourage you to do that. Amen. See, I don't think pastors have said this. I think they've tried to, to stop that. I say, absolutely not. You need to be proud of your culture, but we also need to be proud of the church. Amen. We need to love the church. Amen. When we come in here, we are one culture, and that is Christian. Christian. Amen. Amen. All right, enough preaching on that. We're going to get to the good stuff. So tonight, I want you to join me as we do this. Amen. We're going to have an awesome time. Then after the washing of the feet, we're going to spend some time in prayer because I believe that God wants to bring about healing in Juno. Amen? We've been talking about the names of God. If you remember, we said Jehovah Jireh. Can anybody remember what Jireh means? Provider. That's right. Good job. You guys have been listening. That's awesome. Then there was Jehovah Rapha, God my healer. Amen? Then there was, uh, I'm going to not go through all of them. There's Jehovah Nisi, God is my banner. Jehovah Shalom, God is my, uh, is my peace. And, my sh and then there was, um, God, the Lord is my shepherd. And today, we're going to discuss about Jehovah, the Lord is my righteousness. The Lord is my righteousness. See, I want everybody to understand that there was an impact at the fall of man. I talked a little bit about this on Wednesday night. There was, an, and If you guys could just put that scripture up that I'm going to read. Now let's go ahead and put that up. I haven't read it yet, and I meant to. Let's read it together. He says, In the days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell safely. Now, Jeremiah, when he wrote this, he was talking about Israel, but there's a dual meaning here. He's also talking about us, the church. Just because it was written in the Old Testament doesn't mean it always applies to Israel. There's sometimes that it applies to the church as well. He goes, now this is his name by which he will be called, say with me, the Lord our righteousness. Say it to your neighbor. The Lord our righteousness. Say it to your other neighbor. The Lord our righteousness. See, when I talk about these names of God, these are characteristics of God. Like, for instance, you would say, Keith the Handsome. <laughs> Keith the Muscular. Okay, that's not going over very well. Getting back to what I was saying. 
These are descriptions of who God is. The Lord is our righteousness this morning. Amen? Now let me get back to the impact of the fall of man. When God created man, and he also created woman, and see, this, this is something I want to touch on right here. We talk about the creation of man. I want you to also to understand that God created woman with man. Amen? She did not create woman, or she didn't take the bone from a man from his head to be over the man. He didn't take the bone from the man at his foot to be below the man, but he took the rib from the side of the man so she can be partners beside the man, okay? We look at women as the inferior vessel, and they are not. In the original context that God created them, she was created to be a partner to the man, amen? She is created to be his helpmate. She is created to complete him, amen, because the man was lonely. And remember what I said, when he looked at Eve, she's named that way because he said, whoa, man, There'll be more. Don't worry. See, this one I warn you about my dad jokes because I see some of you kind of falling asleep a little bit. I got you. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 1, 27. So he created us in his image, and for a long time, People have thought that when he said he created man in his image, that meant that God had two arms and two legs and all of those things. And that's not what he was talking about. When he created man in his image, he gave him a soul. He gave him a spirit. Remember that there is a Holy Spirit. He gave him a spirit so that we could have communion with God. Amen? He created us. Are you ready for this? He created us for relationship. Can I tell you that God didn't create you because he was lonely? God created you because he delighted in you. Can I say that again? Some of you have been told you've been less than your whole life, either because of what people have said to you or what people have thought about you, maybe as family members. I want to tell you right now that God created you because he delighted in you. Amen? He delighted in you this morning. He looked at you and said, that's that one right there. That's Randy. That's Alan. That's Jeff. That's I created them. I'm excited about them. I remember watching an old VeggieTales cartoon where the the creator had the picture of the little, the one that was created as a, a picture on the refrigerator. And I could just imagine God, if he had a refrigerator, my picture would be on his refrigerator. Amen. Your picture would be on his refri refrigerator. He created us because he delighted in us. Amen. When's the last time someone has been excited for you? We feel that, don't we? That kind of hit a little hard, didn't it? You know, when you've been with someone for a while, they're not as excited to see you anymore, are they? Except for my dog. My dog's excited every time I come through the door. But the rest of us, we don't, we don't get as excited when somebody comes home, right? We're like, oh, you're home. Where have you been? What took you so long, right? But no, not God. Every time God looks at you, a big smile comes across his face, and he goes, that's my child. Even when you're messing up. You know why? Because God doesn't see you for who you are right now. See, I want you to understand, when man messed up in the garden, the first thing they did is they hid from him, didn't they? 
They hid from him because that's what we do when we have sin in our lives is we hide from God, don't we? We don't like to come to God. For some of you coming to church this morning was a struggle. For some of you coming to church this morning, it was a chore because you know the things that you've done this week and you have hidden from God. But I want to tell you right now, God is looking for you, amen? I want to tell you because he called out to Adam and he says, where are you, Adam? He was walking in the garden. He says, where are you, Adam? Where are you, Adam? And see, God knew where he was. He wasn't, like he wasn't lost or something. Remember playing hide and seek with my kids when they were small? I would say, where are you? And underneath the bed and the blanket, I would hear, hee, 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 hee. I knew where they were at. It's amazing because I could go take an hour and a half nap pretending to look for them. Amen? Okay, maybe a 30-minute nap. The point I'm trying to make is, is God knew where he was at, but he was calling to him. And I want you to know, brothers and sisters, right now, that God is calling to you right now, okay? And I don't care where you are in your faith walk. I don't care if you've been in the faith walk 50 years, 80 years, or two years, or one year, or you're not on the faith walk. God is calling out to you right now, calling to himself, calling you to a deeper walk, calling you to a deeper moment with him. But see, that relationship was broken by Adam. That relationship was broken by Adam. We became no longer righteousness. We became no longer, what the word righteous means is we're no longer morally right or justifiable. We had committed sin. We had, both of the man and the woman had eaten the apple or fruit or whatever it was. I, I believe, honestly, if you were to ask me, I would say that that fruit was a tomato. Amen? Who's with me on that one? It was a tomato. Praise God. Now listen, tomato is good in salsa, but outside of that, it needs to go. But Adam and Eve, they ate the fruit. And because they did that, it wasn't the fruit that was the problem. It was the rebellion against God because God said, don't. And guess what? We did. And that relationship was no longer the same at that moment. But even in that moment, and even before that moment, because God knew what was going to happen, God reached out and he says, I'm going to make a way for you. See, we can no longer be righteous in ourselves. Did you know that? But God says, I am going to make a way for you. I want you to know this morning, God had a plan. Amen? Listen to me this morning. God had a plan. Some of you are struggling with your sin or struggling with your lives and you wonder where God is at. I want to tell you this morning, in your brokenness, in your failure, God has a plan. Amen? In your moment when you are weak, in your moment where you don't know where you're going to go, in your moment you wonder where he is, in your moment when you're hiding behind the bushes because you know what you did, I want you to know this morning that God has a plan this morning. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for everything that you need to do. God has a plan for you this morning. Amen. Man, we need to get excited about God, don't we? We need to get excited about God. It's okay to get emotional about God. You don't have to just sit there like a lump in a log to sit there and say, okay, I receive. No, these things should be stirring up emotions inside of you, amen. It should be saying, man, somebody accepts me. Somebody loves me. Somebody wants me. Somebody made a way for me to get back to God. 
But see, we can't do it by ourselves. In Exodus, God gave us the law, the Ten Commandments. And the purpose of that law was to demonstrate the holiness of God. See, at the time, the Israelites had been separated from communication from God because they were in bondage in Egypt for over 400 years. And God says, okay, I've rescued you, but now here are the rules. Here are the rules that you need to read by or you need to abide by. But you know the bad thing about the law? We can't keep the law, can we? Anybody in here never lied? If you're a husband, you know you've lied. Does this stress make me? Never mind, I'm not going to go down the road. <laughs> Praise God. We've all lied. We've all said things we shouldn't say, right? We've all gossiped. We've all stolen. We've all coveted, amen? And therefore, if we're guilty of what? We're guilty of everything. We are guilty, amen, and what the law does is it shows us that we are guilty. Romans 7, 7 says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetous unless the law had said, you shall not covet. Because God had revealed himself to us as holy, because we know that he's holy, anytime we do something that is contrary to that, we become unholy. It doesn't matter if you've done one thing or 50 million things, one thing makes you unholy. So now we have a problem. God wants a relationship with us. See, some of us don't understand that. Do you realize God is pursuing you? I want to say that again. Do you realize that God is pursuing you? Do you realize that God is reaching out to you? I never forget we were uh, in the Sistine Chapel in Rome. And there's the famous painting by Michelangelo. And it shows the image of God and Adam touching or trying to touch. And God, it shows God reaching out to him. And it shows Adam kind of halfway doing it. Isn't that our attitude sometimes? We just kind of halfway reach out to God. We expect God to take care of us. We expect God to do all these things for us, but we don't do anything back for him. I'm going to say that again because I want you to hear me. We don't do anything for God, do we? If the only time that you're praying, if the only time that you're reading Scripture is when you come into church, brothers and sisters, we are failing. If the only time that you pray and seek God and read his word is when you come into church because you hear the word of God, then we are failing him. Amen. God wants a relationship with you. So many people say, oh, I want to hear a word of God. Oh, God, I want you to speak to me. And you, you choose to hear through God through Facebook. God, I'm going to tell you right now, if, if I wanted God to speak to me, it's not going to be through Facebook. You know how God speaks to you? God speaks to you through his word. That's something that I can trust, amen? You know why? Because I've had so many people come up to me and they, they try to speak the word over me. Now, not some, some are sent by God, but I've had so many come up to me and they say, the famous saying, yea, I say unto thee, walk to the left and the right, I will be with you. And they're just quoting scripture at that point. You ever had anybody do that, say something over you that didn't make any sense? 
didn't apply to your situation, guess what? That's not God speaking to you, amen? Just because you think you have a word for somebody, you better be sure you have a word for somebody, amen? Because in the Bible, the Old Testament, they were stoned for that kind of thing. I'm going to give you a word right now. If you want a relationship with God, you need to speak to God and allow God to speak back to you. See, I use this example a lot, and it bears repeating. If I want my wife to love me, I need to speak to her. Right? Now, speaking to her is not blaming her for everything. Don't we blame God for a lot of stuff? Come on, don't we? We blame God for everything. God, look what you did to me. God didn't do that. Your decisions did that, okay? Come on, let's be honest. Your decisions did that. Not, not everything is, uh, is because of that. Sometimes life happens. But we're, we have disease. We have failure because of the fall of man, amen? But if I were to go to my wife and speak to her, and I say, you know, it's your fault. What kind of love do you think I'm going to get back from her at that moment, amen? I'm going to get maybe not love and affection. I'm going to get a little distance, amen? But if I go up to her and say, honey, I love you. I, I'm just so glad that you're here. But then I turned around and walked off. I'm not receiving what she has back to me. See how it's the two-way street? If I go up to RJ in a different type of relationship, and I go up and communicate to RJ, and, he, RJ and he's trying to talk to me, and I just kind of tune him out, because maybe I don't like RJ. Then what kind of relationship is that? You ever had somebody talk to you and they're talking to you and they're kind of looking past you because somebody else is more important? Don't we do that to God sometimes? Don't we do that to God? God is trying to speak to us. God is trying to develop a relationship with us because he is our righteousness. He has made us righteous. Amen. Pray. I don't know about y'all, but I'm feeling the presence of God. Maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. But I want to tell you this morning that God is all about relationship, and he wants relationship with you this morning. See, Paul was frustrated because he recognized there was another law at work in him, the law of evil that kept him from a holy life. 724, that same chapter in Romans, he says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? See, we needed someone who could become our righteousness. See, in Jeremiah, in this passage of Scripture, God became frustrated with people who claimed to be religious leaders who were leading people into righteousness weren't and weren't. You know what we do sometimes? We put all of our faith in religious leaders and men to lead us in righteousness. But what if they're not righteous themselves? I'm going to say that again. What if they are not righteous themselves? Listen, it's not that I don't want you to follow me. I do want you to follow me. But follow me as I follow God. And you also follow God. Amen? You follow God. Amen? In 23.1 of Jeremiah, he says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy, who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. I'm going to say that one more time. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. 
says the Lord. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know right now, there are people who call themselves men and women of God who are saying things that are not of God. They are saying things to puff up the body of Christ but are not of God. And they're saying things to say, you can do this, you can do that, you can do this. I'm going to tell you, I can do nothing without God this morning. Amen? It is all about God. It is not about me. If somebody tells you if you give a lot of money, God will give you a Mercedes Benz, you need to stop listening to that person. Amen? If God, somebody's telling you that God's, that God's going to rise up you and you're going to see angels and you're going to do this and have these unusual spiritual circumstances, I would become suspect, okay? Listen, I'm not saying that God can't do those things, but these, these prophecies are so generalized, they don't mean anything. Now, if someone came to me and said, you, Pastor Keith, I see this for you, I'm still going to test the spirits to make sure what they're saying is from God. It's time we stop listening to dreams, and we stop listening to words, and we get back to the Word of God. Amen? That's when God's going to speak to you. See, I was feeling down this week. I was feeling discouraged this week. See, pastors get discouraged. Pastors get a little worried sometimes. I was down and I was upset. And I said, oh, Lord, I need to hear you. And he opened up my Bible and my daily reading. And he began to speak to you. He said, I got you. I am with you. I'm going to take care of you. I didn't need somebody to call me and tell me that. The Word of God told me that. And then as the Word of God was being read to me, as I read with my own eyes, I began to well up because the Spirit of God came upon me in my little office. And he spoke to me and he says, I don't want you to worry about where you're at right now. I don't want you to worry about who's doing what. I want you to focus on what I've called you to do. I want you to love people. I want you to care for them. I want you to preach the word, son. Preach the word. Preach the word. That's what I want you to do. Let me tell you, I didn't need somebody on Facebook to tell me that. The word of God told me that this morning. I don't need somebody coming up and telling me, thus says the Lord. Now, listen, God may do that, but let's be honest, in the last days, there's going to be a lot of false prophets, aren't there? Anything I say to you should be backed up by the word of God, amen? This is how you know something. is. I don't even know why I'm going down this road, but here we are. Anybody that says something to you, I'm going to tell you, this is how you know it's not of God, is when the focus is on you and not God. Can I say that again? Because I want you to hear me. If the focus is on you, you will rise up. You will do great things. That's not God. Come on now. I want to be clear here. I want to be clear. If somebody says you will do great things, see, we get puffed up with pride immediately. And pride is not of God. As a matter of fact, God hates pride. What God says I, what God will tell you, if he tells you, is that God will do great things if you will submit to him. Amen? God will do great things. Amen? And see, we don't even know what great things are. There was a man, a preacher, he had a small church. He had maybe 10 people, and he tried, and he tried to grow this church. He tried and tried to grow this church, and he never could grow it. He'd get two families, and two families would leave. And all of his pastor friends were running 500 and 600 people, and they would show up at the meetings, and they would be put on boards, and they would get up, and they would talk about how great their church was because they ran 500 people or 600 people. They would come in with their new suits, and this pastor, who only had 10, had to work two jobs to keep his family going. He barely had food. 
food on the table. And he said, God, I'm mad. I'm angry. I don't understand. And God says, you're looking at the wrong thing, son. Because in that church, in that church of 10 people, there's little Billy over there. Little Billy, you're training him up, and you, with 10 people, you're able to focus on him. I've called Billy to evangelize to the nations. I've called Billy to serve me. You are focused on Billy right now. And because of that, this preacher was a great success. We are successful with what God has given us, not what we hope for, but what he's given us. We have the wrong idea of what success is, amen? I'm happy that we have people in church today. Amen? I'm as happy you're here. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad that you're here. Look at your other neighbor and say, that's good preaching. Look at your other neighbor and say, I love Pastor Keith more than anybody. Okay, nobody's saying that. Okay, we're good. We're fine. We'll just have a little bit of fun. See, it wasn't the religious leaders that God was happy with. I'm going to say that again. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. All right, I got to say this now. This is, this is hitting on me. What time is it? I can't, I don't have my glasses on. I can't read. I'm tired of pastors stirring up division. I'm tired of pastors stirring up racial division. You're saying, who, pastor? Who, who's doing that? It doesn't matter who's doing it. It's happening. And the way that they do it is when, when people of a certain color come into church, they kind of look at them differently. They, they kind of treat them differently. They kind, of, they kind of watch them and say, let's make sure we watch this person, not because of their character, but because of their color. Can I tell you that's not of God? That divides the sheep. That divides the sheep. I'm going to say that again. That divides the sheep. Listen. If we are all sheep of God, God didn't say we're going to separate this sheep and this sheep over here. We're all going to the same place, and whether you like it or not, when we get up there, we're going to be neighbors. Amen? We're going to be neighbors. Right? I mean, everybody's going to be able to come over to my house except for Nick. He eats all my food. I didn't say which Nick. There's a couple of them there. I should be nice to them. They're on the soundboard side. They're going to cut me off if I. Yeah, they did that. There you go. Yeah. I was talking about Nick Dunn. Now he's going to stop doing something. Listen, everybody's welcome. You know why? Because up there it won't matter, will it? I'm going to look at you. I don't know if you're poor, if you're crazy. Anybody in this room crazy like me? Nobody's willing to raise their hand. Thank you, Richard. Oh, thank you, Helen. You're crazy like me. All the crazy people are going to have our side to heaven. All the weird people who are accountants are going to have their side to heaven, right? No, that's not true. We're all going to be together, amen? We're all going to share the same pool, amen? There was a time that if you were a different race, you couldn't be in the same pool together, could you? Guess what? Heaven's not like that. Listen, up, up in heaven, there's no police to pull you over because you're a different color, amen? Uh, now, I'm not trying to knock our police. I'm just trying to make a statement here. We're all one people, amen? And when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to hug you just like he's going to hug me, amen? I'm tired of the shepherds 
destroying and scattering the sheep. I don't want you to rally under me. You can't trust man because I'm going to let you down. I'm going to let you down. I'm going to do something that's going to let you down. It's inevitable. You know why? Because the last time I checked, I'm human. But in this rebuke, he gives us a promise. Verses 3 and 4. He says, I will gather, praise God. I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries. Oh, man. Oh, man. Did anybody just feel that little breath of fresh air come through here? In other words, we're not saying that if you're from a different place, we can't accept you. Absolutely not. I don't care where you come from, what nation you come from, what tribe, what people you come from. He says, I will bring them. I, mm, I will, I'm going to bring them from everywhere. Every nation, Helen. Every nation, amen. Every nation, amen. That means the nations in Rwanda. That means the nations in Southeast Alaska. That means the nations in Ireland, amen. That even means the people from California. <laughs> Praise God. He says, I'm going to draw them from all nations, even California, where I have driven them. And bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, praise God, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall thou be lacking. He's going to gather his people once more. You know how he's going to do it? He's going to send the branch, the root of Jesse. He's going to send Jesus. See, I know I'm talking in future tense because in Jeremiah, Jesus hadn't come yet. See, God had a plan, didn't he? Are you listening to me this morning? God had a plan today, didn't he? He is going to send his righteousness. See, and I want you to understand that so many people think that they have to fix themselves. You can't. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6, it says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, when Jesus came, when Jesus came, he restored unto us his righteousness. He imparted to us his righteousness. Romans 5, 8 through 11. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we are reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, we shall rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. We're reconciled. But we're not reconciled because we are righteous. We are reconciled because he has taken his righteousness 
and given it to us. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do that again because I think we need to understand that. God took his righteousness and gave it to us because we're not righteous in our own way. We are as filthy rags. There's nothing about me that God could possibly want, but yet he loved me anyway. Think about how awesome that is, how God loves us anyway. Isaiah 64, 6 says, but we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. 1 John 2.29 says, If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. As we start some music, please. I want you to understand this today. We are not righteous. We are not righteous. But he has bestowed upon us a new birth. A new birth. John 3.16, the most famous verse that we know, talks about being born of God. Being born of God. Says it in 3.15, 3.17, all that scripture there talks about being reborn of God. We are a new creation in Him because, let let me tell you this, we have been made righteous. Do you know it takes courage to set yourself in God? It takes courage. The easy thing to do, the the cowardly thing to do is to walk away from God because you want to just stay in your ways. You want to just continue acting the way that you are. It takes courage to stand up and say, I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to live a life for God. It takes courage to do that. But let me tell you today that when you give yourself to him, and I'm not talking about just by passing. I'm not talking about casually. When you give yourself fully to him, your life changes. And that takes courage. It takes courage to stand before your friends and say, I'm not going to do this weed with you anymore. I'm not going to do drugs with you anymore because I'm a child of God. I'm not going to do alcohol with you anymore because I serve God. That takes courage to do that. And the reason why you come to church is to receive that courage, to receive that boldness, amen? And there is a, when you have God in your life, you all of a sudden get this boldness about you. You get, because the Spirit of God now rests upon you. How many want that boldness, amen? How many need that boldness in your life? How many want to understand that God is our righteousness, brothers and sisters? I want to tell you today, if you're trying to live your life without him, you will fail every time. Listen, and you're going to fail even as a believer. But the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he does what? He gets back up again. You know how I get back up again? Because I have a loving God looking at me and saying, come on, son, get up. 
Come on, son, get up. You're almost there. Come on, son, get up. Get up. I'm with you. You're almost there. There's the finish line. You got this. Come on. Let me push you a little bit. Let me help you out. I have a loving God who helps me. I have a loving God who's there for me. See, I can't. I can't be good on my own. My nature is not of God. But bless God, he has given me a new nature this morning. Will you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. All hearts and minds and closed, or not minds closed, my heads bowed, eyes closed. You can close your mind, that'd be weird. If you are here today, you are not here by accident. You are here because God wanted you here. God has made you righteous if you're willing. But some of you in this room have not made that decision. You're trying to do things your own way. And you think that coming to church checks a box off, and I'm going to tell you it does not. Now don't get me wrong, God's happy with you for doing that, but God's also given you a chance to make it right with him. Well, you're saying, well, God needs to make it right with me. Well, then let's give him a chance. Let's get into a relationship with him. He's calling you. The Father, the great, loving Father, is looking at you right now and say, Come. 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 If you don't know Jesus, if you have not accepted him as your Savior, renouncing the life of sin, renouncing those things that are not of God, if you have not done that, or maybe you've done that and you need to renew that commitment to him, I want you to raise your hand right now. Come on, raise your hand across this place if that's you. I see a couple. Anybody else? I see another one. I see three. Anybody else? I'm going to be purposeful here. Anybody else? I saw three. I only say that. I'm going to count how many there are because I want you to know that there are others who feel the way that you do. And you know what I'm saying is true because the Lord is having on your heart right now. He's speaking to you. I'm going to ask you one more time. Is there anybody else? I see four. I want everybody to repeat after me. Jesus. Thank you for listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.